So without further ado, would you please um, stand and welcome Lorraine as she comes. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> what a joy to be able to share with you this morning some of the ways God has answered some of my prayers. And I hope you're encouraged. I hope you're encouraged to get out there and pray. I hope you're encouraged to go home and pray. I hope you're encouraged to believe, to know that God answers prayer today. <laughs> People say, do I really believe God answers prayer? Yes, I do. And I have got more than 50 years experience to tell you from my own life, yes, he does. <laughs> do I always get exactly what I prayed for? No. Do I always get what's best for me? Yes. <laughs> Is there a formula for praying? You can decide that one. But I'm going to share with you some of the answers I've had and some of the ways in which God has answered. Sometimes he answers through circumstances and through scripture. Just three weeks ago, we were supposed to be setting out to the South Island on the bus trip of a lifetime. I have only been to the South Island once, and that's only to Nelson, so there's that whole Southland out there waiting to be explored. And we were really looking forward to it, but three weeks before we were due to go, Ian's walking suddenly deteriorated, and I was saying, Lord, show me, do we really need to go on this tour? Are we going to cope if we go on this tour? And I was waiting for an answer that didn't come until two days before we were due to leave at three o'clock in the morning. Call the ambulance, I feel sick. And Ian ended up in hospital and I said, well, Lord, that was a pretty dramatic answer, but I get it. <laughs> we're not going. But you know, that morning I was, I was disappointed, of course. I was upset, I was worried about my husband. And my reading was Psalm 54, and I want to share with you verses 4 and 6. Verse 4 says, Surely God is my help. The Lord is the one who sustains me. Verse 6, I will sacrifice a free will offering to you. I will praise your name, O Lord, for it is good. For he has delivered me from all my troubles. And my eyes have looked in triumph on my foes. My foes that morning were disappointment and anxiety and frustration. But you know what? He put three little words into my heart. And those three words were, Father knows best. Yeah. <laughs> I said, okay, Lord, I accept it. You know best. He does indeed know best. If we'd been halfway around our tour and Ian had ended up in hospital... That would have been a different story. Sometimes my prayers are just for short, easy, easy, nothing easy, but they're short, simple things like, Lord, we need to find a place to park the car so that we can walk into that hospital. And I look up and somebody's pulling out and there I can pull in. Yeah. Or as I get older, 
Lord, where did I put that? You saw me. <laughs> and he'll show me within the next few minutes. Oh, of course, there it is. A couple of weeks ago, I had to learn how to fold up and stow in my very small motor car, one of these walkers. And one morning I said, Lord, there must be an easier way to do this. And he showed me exactly what to do. And now it's a piece of cake. Those were little things. But, you know, God cares about the little things. Sometimes there are very big prayers. In 1996, my son phoned me at daybreak one morning. And he said, Mom, my wife's been in labor for many hours and the baby is in distress. Please pray. So I prayed. 65 minutes later, my grandson was born strong, healthy, young boy. That was a big answer. That was a big praise. In March 2014, right here at Excite, we were praying for 200 young people to come to Impact, and we thought, wow, that's really stretching it, you know. <laughs> what did Erin just tell us? Last month, we had 500 young people at Impact. God is a big God, and he does big things. Mm. And then there was a young woman in our congregation who was expecting her second baby, and just before it was due, the baby started to turn around and it was facing the wrong way. And she said, Lorraine, please pray. Well, we prayed. And in three days, that baby had turned around and been born. <laughs> God answers. Yeah. Sometimes he answers prayers with a vision or a dream. One of my other grandsons was a very sick little baby, and nobody knew why he wasn't thriving. When I was praying for him one day, I saw Jesus bless him. And I've seen Jesus bless this boy, who is now a young man, many times. He's not a believer yet, but I know that God has his hand on this boy and that he has a special plan for him, and he is coming into God's kingdom. That's one of those prayers where God says, not now, be patient, go on praying. So that was, that's what I call a delayed answer. Another delayed answer, and I believe we're beginning to see the answer to this one. Ruth and I have walked the streets of Kerry Kerry many times over the last few years, Praying for God to move in our community, for people to come into his kingdom, people to be saved. And one day while I was praying about this, I had a vision. We were walking, Ruth and I, down a pavement somewhere, and it was grimy, and it was dusty, and the, the pavement was all broken, and there were weeds. It just looked unkempt, unloved not like Kerry Kerry. <laughs> and then I turned around and looked behind me. And where we had walked, the grass was green. The walls were mended. The pavement was fixed. And the trees were growing. And I thought, wow, Lord, are you telling me that that's what's going to happen as a result of our praying? And I believe that's starting to happen now. We have seen this year people coming into the kingdom 
who haven't been inside a church for a long time, God is working, God is answering. I can't wait to see the trees growing. <laughs> the last one I want to share is when we as a church were praying for a youth pastor, and then we amended it to say a youth slash associate pastor. And we prayed for months, and there just seemed to be nobody suitable. And I remember saying to Ruth and Paul one day, it's okay. God has the best. He's just preparing him. The time will come. He'll send us the best. And what did he do? He sent us Aaron, the best. Yes. Ian and I are in a period now of wait and see what the Lord will do. And so we're excited. We're waiting to see what our Father has in store for us two oldies. And he keeps reminding me, Father knows best. I haven't finished yet. <laughs> I'm reminded of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Matthew tells us that Jesus prayed, Father, if you are willing... Take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. We know that his father's plan was for him to go to Calvary. But did you ever notice the next verse in Matthew's account? It says, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. When the answer is no, it doesn't mean God hasn't heard or he's punishing us. Or he's turned his back. He will send an angel to strengthen you. He has done that to me so often. And he will send a resurrection answer. Do we need great faith before God hears and answers? No. Jesus said we only need faith the size of a tiny mustard seed to see great answers. But you know what? Faith is like a muscle. You need to exercise it. And so pray on. And if you don't get the answer immediately, pray again and keep praying. Paul, who wrote writing to the church at Philippi, says in Philippians 4 verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Very good. Whoa, I'm a lot louder. <laughs> it's that Scottish brawl coming through, eh? I tell you what, I just have to say that I so value Lorraine you know, I'm a young chick and she's an old chick or senior. You're not allowed to say that. Are you? Mature, that's it. Thank you, Pastor Paul. Mature chick. But I tell you what, I just love our prayer times together. We just see like walls breaking down here. Eh? It's just amazing. Lorraine and I have walked the streets of Kirikiri and prayed through Kirikiri for seven or is it six years? It's a long time. Praying for people, eh? You know, because God has a heart for them, we have a heart. And we, we are saying great things. I tell you what, we are saying great things. So I'm going to share a little bit about prayer. And then we are going to do some practical stuff after that. And we are going to pray. 
oh, for one another, for anyone who has any prayer needs. So that is good. And Kerry's got her fluffy pens, I see. Good on you, Kerry. You're obviously a note taker. You are a super spiritual woman. You take notes. Good on you. Okay, well, do you know what? Jesus, the prayer. I want to speak about Jesus, the confident prayer today, because Jesus knew he had an open heaven. And that is my thought today is that we have an open heaven before us. We don't need to beg for it. We don't need to plead for it. It is an open heaven before us. And Jesus knew who he was. He was the Son of God. He knew the heart of God. And he knew as he had an open heaven that his prayers would be answered. He was in the presence of God. He knew the will of God. He knew the heart of God. It was so awesome. You know, Paul and I have been married. How long have we been married, Paul? Forever and a day. It's a long time. Is it 23 years this year? Paul's a numbers man. I have to ask him every time. But you know what? We have spent a lot of time together. We have communicated together. Good, the bad, and the ugly. We have communicated together. I know his likes. He knows my likes. I know what he doesn't like. I know he doesn't like bagpipes. And he knows that I totally love bagpipes. And we just know one another. We have spent a lot of time together. And our children know what I like. They know what I don't like because I spend time with them. And um, I know what my children like. And um, the other week, just not this week, but last week, we were flying to Australia. And on the aeroplane, there was three seats and three seats. It was a smaller plane. There was James, there was me, and there was Paul. And it's boring on a plane, eh? You're going for hours, and I'm just, I'm, I'm hyper, but I was in Paul's company. No, I was, and, and I'm thinking, I must have to watch a movie or something. And I glanced over at Paul's TV screen, and he, we're on, just remember, we're on the way to Australia. He's watching the World Cup replay again of Australia and New Zealand. What a great game to, to watch when you're on the way to Australia. It's awesome. And, and he loves rugby. And I'm like, oh, where did you find that? I love that. I've got to watch the World Cup match again between Australia and New Zealand. So he says, oh, you just do this. So I start watching it. And then in the seat next to me, James goes, oh. You're watching the World Cup rugby. Where did you find that, Mum? So the whole three of us watched World Cup rugby on the way to Australia. It was awesome. So good, so good. But you know, it's like father, like son. We all love the same thing. And it's what Jesus knew, the heart of his father. He knew what his passion was for people. He knew his heart of love for people. And as his children, as sons and daughters, the Father wants you to get this, that you have an open heaven before you. It says we can enter his throne room with boldness. Isn't that cool? And God gives us pictures in the Bible about how close a relationship that he kind of wants with us, that it's meant to be. In John 15, it talks about best friends. In Ephesians 5, it talks about the lover, the lover of our souls. In Romans 8, it talks about brother, 
In Matthew, it talks about the servant. In John 15, it mentions vine and the branches. And in John 10, it talks about the shepherd of the sheep. It talks about disciples. It talks about sonship. We were made to have a close relationship. We won't be satisfied without it. It was actually built into our DNA as God created us. He wanted relationship with us. And prayer is communicating. It's a two-way thing. Can you imagine me sitting down with Paul and I just, and it's normally the other way around, but for this time, I do all the talking. And there's, he, he, I don't let him have a word in. I just talk and I talk and I talk. But I never let Paul actually get what he wants to say. And that's what it's like in prayer. We can talk, but we want to listen to what God has to say to us. Are we listening to what God actually wants? And you know, often we have our grocery list. Often we have our grocery list, and it's like, well, God, I need this, and I want this, and I need this, and can you do this, can you do this? But Jesus, God wants us, and this is where Jesus, he went out, and when he prayed, he went into the mountains. He went into that quiet place to hear what God actually wanted. And John 10 and 27 says, my sheep hear my voice. And I just love it when God speaks to us. And you know, even at Planet Shakers, we were sitting, I went in and I sat down, and over in Melbourne, I don't know if you've ever been to Melbourne, there are so many foreigners. I hardly came across one Aussie. There were so many foreigners there. And so when I got to conference after the third day, I sat down and I sat next to this guy and I says, oh, hi, who are you? I says, I'm Ruth, who are you? And he says, oh, I'm John. And I went, oh, you're an Aussie, like this. And he kind of looks at me as if, where are you from, you know, like... But I was thinking, I finally sat next to a Aussie. That's really cool. And he says, where are you from? And I went, oh, I'm actually from the promised land. I'm from New Zealand. This is for real. I said this. And the guy's kind of looking, good word, eh? Preach it, sister. And now the guy sort of looks at me because I'm a, got a funny accent. You know, I says, I'm, I'm a New Zealander. I'm, well, I'm a Kiwi. I'm from New Zealand. The promised land. And he's looking at me. And then Paul comes in and he sits next to Paul. Uh, Paul sits next to me and he's looking at me and he's looking at Paul. He says, so you're for real? You're Kiwis, are you? And I went, yeah. Um, he says, well, actually, um, we're bouncers. And we've actually been told to sit here because you're trouble and, and we come to, to pray for you, you know, to sit with you. Well, this guy, by the time we'd finished, like, but you know what? No, open heaven before us. Do you know what's in heaven? There is laughter. There is joy in heaven. We can actually have fun because God is a God of fun. By the time we had sat next to this guy and finished with him or sat next to him for the conference, God said, I want you to tell this man this. Because I was listening to God, he said, tell him this. So I started to speak to this guy stuff that God was telling me. And you know what? People are hungry to hear God's word. They want to hear what God is actually saying because God wants people built up and encouraged. And you know, Jesus was like that in his walk here. He had an open heaven before him. Wherever he went, he dispensed blessing. 
You know, he walked the presence of God daily out there. You know, even when he um, received little, the five loaves and the two fishes, it multiplied. He would look up, he prayed, he just said, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. He gave thanks. He was a confident prayer. Are you feeling lack today? Then look to God, because when you have an open heaven, you have an abundance of supply. Heaven's not bankrupt. And Hebrews 4 verse 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly. I quoted it before. It's found in Hebrews 4. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace. It's not a throne of judgment. It doesn't say throne of judgment. It says throne of grace. Open heaven before us, an open throne room. Because Jesus, when he was here, he gave out grace. Jesus had come from heaven. He knew what it was like there. He knew there was unlimited resources. And it's our job to pull heaven's resources and bring it to the kingdom. Jesus prayed when he was going through a crisis, when he was facing the cross. He prayed through the busyness of his life. He went aside to the quiet place. He would pray. He prayed in a boat. He prayed wherever. And uh, I know John French is here today. Well, last week, I think it was, weekend, his daughter was married, and the forecast was rain. And I was an Aussie at Planet Shakers, and um, John had asked me to pray for good weather. And I says, yeah, it'll be done. I'll just declare it, and it'll be done. We're calling heaven to earth for sunshine and Jessica phoned me the day before I think it was Friday and she said it's raining and I went I know it's raining but tomorrow is a new day and it's going to be awesome sunshine and we can speak to it John that it was beautiful sunshine weather because we have an open heaven before us and I've just finished four days of school camp I went on Tuesday and I came back on Friday. Now, if anyone knows me, I tell Paul, and I made this straight the day I married him, I said, I just want you to, to let you know that my idea of luxury is a five-star hotel. My idea of roughing it is a four-star hotel. I don't do camping. I'm a glamper. Yes, I will preach it. And so he said, oh, I can't make it for the camping, for the school camping. You will have to go. And I'm thinking, great, I have to go camping. Now, I love spending time with my kids, but my kids, when you've got 150 kids and they're crying for their mummies and they're feeling sick and they're tired, it really does need a lot of prayer. So <laughs> the first night, the first night, you know, with kids, first night at camp, they're so excited. It's like, yay. And I'm thinking, oh, bedtime. This is going to be fun. They'll be buzzing out. And they're hyper, you know, they can't get to sleep. And then in the morning, they just wake up and they go for it. And I had to sleep in a dormitory. So it was kind of like my lifestyle. There was half of the dormitory was girls and I, I was the female adult with them. And the other half was boys and there was a, a guy in with them. And we're all in one big dormitory and there was probably about 20 or more. So it gets to bedtime and I just said, Father... I don't do crying. I, I just need a, I need a sleep. I, would, I need a really good sleep. So we're going to do this together. Open heaven. So I said to the kids, the lights are out. Go to sleep. <laughs> now, what they didn't know was I just 
went walking through the dormitory. Father, thank you that your peace reigns in this place. Thank you, Father, that there is just peace and safety. And I just started to pray in tongues as well, quietly. They had no idea what was happening. And it just went, you could feel it. Boom, boom, boom. Sleep, 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 (laughs) sleep. It was just fantastic. Seriously, it was awesome. No, I didn't have, no, don't believe in that. Believe in the power of prayer. Prayer is powerful, church. You believe in it. And anyway, the next day, I did my duties, volunteered here, there, and everywhere. And, and then uh, I had to go home that night because I actually had, Evangeline had an appointment with Rachel in the morning. So I had to go home for a sleep. And I says to the guy, I'm not going to be here. To, uh, it was Wednesday night. So I said, you be right, you can get another female in for the female side, I have to go. So on the Thursday morning, that was Wednesday night, I slept at home. Thursday morning after I appointment, went straight back to camp again for the next half of it. So I says to the guy, so how did it go the night? You know, And he went, oh, not good. Oh, he said they just wouldn't go to sleep. And then during the night, he said, one of them started screaming and crying. This, they thought a ghost had touched them. You know how kids, they get quite in the dark. He said, and it just set the whole dormitory off. And I went, oh, should have been here. Should have prayed. Should have been here. But you know what? There is power in prayer. Do you know, John Knox was a great man. He was even greater because he was Scottish. He was from Edinburgh. Good man. And you know what? He was a powerful prayer. And Mary, Queen of Scots, who wasn't a a very good Queen of Scots, she was quite a bad queen, actually. She said this, I fear his prayers more than I do the armies of my enemies. Because when you pray, and I tell you what, you have an open heaven before you, there is power in prayer. And in the book of Kings, we have a story there of Elijah the prophet he was surrounded um, by the enemy. And his servant, I think it was Elisha actually, and his servant was panicking. And you know what? Elijah, calmly sitting there, all the enemy around. And the servant's like, what are you going to do? Look at the enemy. And Elijah, Elisha's just sitting there. And he's calm. And he said, you know what? Open his eyes, God, and let him see what I see. And all of a sudden, God opens the servant's eyes, and it's like all he sees is angels, army of angels of the Lord there up on the mountain. You see, we can look at a problem, and we can see the problem. All the servant saw was the enemy, an army of the enemy, but We have the whole heavenly host behind us. We have heaven behind us in prayer. And when we pray, we can move mountains, literally. It is so amazing. And God opened his servant's eye. He changed his perspective. God wants to change your perspective in the power of prayer. See, Jesus was a confident prayer. He knew he had heaven behind him. Isn't that wonderful? 
He wants you to have a God view so that when you look at a situation from God's perspective, you won't see the enemy, you won't see the problem, you'll see victory through the problem. And it's just fantastic. God is for us. Through everything, he's there through the good, the bad, and the ugly. And what does he say? He works all things for good. Even the ugly things, he can work for good, even the bad things. The more we live as citizens of heaven, the more heaven's activities infect our lifestyles. Prayer is powerful. Now, Eric Johnson, he lives in America. He's a worship leader. And he took a friend one day and he went to the, uh, a really big shopping mall in America. And he was just standing there with his guitar, praying and praising and singing and worshiping, just minding his own business, just worshiping the Lord. And he was there for about two, three hours. And then he left. And an unsuspecting man walked through the same area. And as he came into that area, he stopped. He pulled something from his pocket and he threw it on the ground and he walked off. And what he threw on the ground was illegal drugs. You see, when you come into the presence of the Lord and there's power in our prayers and our worship, we leave something behind that can move people. Even in the toughest situations, we can move people. And Jesus, wherever he went, dispensed blessing. Do you know you carry blessing wherever you go? In your workplace, wherever you work, or if you go to college, or if you go to school, you are so, your school is blessed because you have Jesus in you. Your workplace is blessed because you have Jesus in you. Your boss is blessed because you belong to Jesus, because we carry blessing and favor with us. It is just wonderful. And I remember um, Joseph Prince sharing that before he ever came up, became a pastor, he started working this uh, office and uh, he just started to speak blessing over and pray for blessing over the office. And the office went from not doing great to doing uh, like millions of dollars. And when he had to leave and he was going to become a pastor, his boss cried because he knew there was blessing on him. And that's what it's like for you and I. There is blessing on us. Jesus was a confident prayer. He had heaven behind him. He had an open heaven before him. Your place where you are, wherever you go, even if it's a community gym, I go to the gym and I just think, wow, the gym is blessed because we have God's presence with us, his Holy Spirit. 